Ram Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing, Burns and Gambo on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. All right, we'll talk about the Cardinals in 30 seconds. Quick update from the Diamondbacks game. Top of the eighth now. They're winning 5 nothing. Zach Gallen was in a jam. Zach Gallen got out of a jam. He had runners at uh, second and third with only one out in the bottom of the seventh. But he got a strikeout and a flyout to preserve the shutout. Of course he did. So far. Because of course he uh, of did. Course, of course he does. He's yeah. Zach Gallen. Because he's Zach Gallen. And Zach Gallen is a, he's a, he's a stud. And Zach Gallen has gone seven innings, four hits, no walks, 12 strikeouts, thrown nine. 91 pitches in his seven innings, um, 2.79 yeah. ERA so far. He's been great. He's making $607,000 this year. <laughs> is, no, seriously. Did you just make up that number? Is that yeah. the actual number no, that he's making? that's what he's making. Yeah. He's making, like, he's making uh, 745000 is uh, what he's making. Uh, $745,000 to Zach Allen. For goodness sakes, you're making more yeah. than that. I, I mean, really. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like, pay. And, and here's the great thing. This is this is incredible. Like, I'm kidding. I have no idea how much money Gambo makes. I'm totally kidding. I don't Arbitration know. Eligible next year. Arbitration eligible the year after that. Arbitration eligible the year after oh, yeah. that. He's locked up. Like the Diamondbacks have an ace pitcher for seven hundred forty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, he's not going yeah. anywhere. Not going. Oh my god! And under control for three more years. Yeah, he, it's a career high twelve strikeouts by the way that he has set in his last three. His last three starts, he hasn't given up an earned run. He's been he's been fantastic. All right, so this is this is actually something we've talked about a lot, and and, and Gambo. I think ultimately kind of settled on the best argument as to why the Cardinals might be able to avoid this, why they should be able to avoid this. But there was a story today on USA Today, and they point out since 1990, when the league expanded the playoff bracket to 12 teams, it's now 14, it it grew to that in 2020, uh, at least four teams, at least four, and usually it's more than four, but at least four teams that qualified for the playoffs in the previous season in the NFL didn't return in the next one. So every single year since 1990, so you're looking at, goodness, 32 years of NFL playoff football, at least four teams don't make it the next year in the postseason. The author of this article then went on to rank the teams that are most likely to repeat and least likely to repeat. I'll give you one guess who he said was least likely to repeat, but you're not going to need it. It's the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. And the Steelers are in there too, right? Because the Steelers like miraculously made the playoffs last year in Ben's final year. Remember that? It was yes. like, hey, the Steelers, Ben's had, like the Steelers, like it was almost a miracle that they got well, in. It was they a crazy like, ending with the, and, the Raiders and overtime right, and, right. and, right? And like, and the Chargers and are they playing to tie? Are they playing to win? What the hell's going on? And the Steelers right, were like right. hanging on for dear life to know how the whole season, it was a great ending to the season. Yeah. But yeah, the Steelers got in by the hair on their chinny chin chin. And, and and so even they are listed as a better chance of getting back than the Arizona Cardinals are. Yeah, and listen, my argument, and you know my argument for this, the NFC is just not that good. Like, I can make, you know, I understand Philly has definitely gotten better, and that's a little bit of a challenge there. But look, you got to have three wildcard teams, and... 
if you look at the NFC as a whole, right? Forget about the Cardinals' schedule. Just look at the NFC as a whole. There's not that many good teams there. No. There's not that many good teams in the NFC. So, you know, there's some some top-heavy teams like Green Bay and the Rams. And if somebody's going to win the NFC East, but there's a lot of teams that are mediocre. And that's where I think the Cardinals will get in the playoffs. I understand when you look at the schedule, now you go win-loss and say, man, at Kansas City, Tampa Bay, they got to play the Raiders, they got to play the Chargers, they got to play Russell Wilson and the Bronco. Like, I get it. I get it. Tough schedule. But they're not going to lose all of those games because, you know what? They're a good football team. They're going to win some of those games. So I don't think that they need to go, you know, 11 and 6 to make the playoffs. I think that they can make the playoffs going, you know, 9 and 8. I do. I think that they can make the playoffs because I just don't think the NFC got that much better no, this year. No, I, I don't either. And, and you're just you're looking around trying to figure out who the threats are, right? Like, who are the teams that are going to come take what you've got? And, and I'll, of course, there are threats. Of course, there are, you know, I happen to think Carolina is going to be a little bit better because of Baker Mayfield. I know New Orleans is kind of a somewhat popular pick as long as Jameis Winston can be healthy and Michael Thomas is back. And maybe but don't the- you think? Don't you think that the Cardinals are better than the Panthers and the Saints? Yes, I do. Yes, me I too. Do. Yeah, like me oh, too. Yeah. With I mean, if that's the question, if that's what we're boiling this down to, are the Cardinals better than the Saints? They better be. Are the Cardinals better than the Carolina Panthers? They better be. Right? Those. And if those are the two teams that they're competing with, I would agree. The Cardinals fundamentally are a betterly a better built football team than those two teams are. I would agree with that. Yeah, and that's where it just comes in. Like I get that there are definitely teams that are better than the Cardinals. The Rams are now we now there's unknowns. There are unknowns. The 49ers seem to be an unknown, right? I mean, a lot of people like them, but I'm not ready to, to, to check that box yet. I know you're not ready to check that box yet, you know, for the simple reasons of, you know, we need to see more of Trey Lance to see if he's the guy that can get that done. Yeah, and and so yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because here's, here's the list in its entirety. Okay, this is okay. from top to bottom. So in their opinion, the most likely team that made the playoffs last year to make it again this year are the Bills. Bills won, Packers two. Rams three, Bucks four. These are all no brainers. Bengals five, Chiefs six. Now this is where you start getting into kind of fuzzy territory here. Give me the give me the top six again. Okay, it's Bills one, mm-hmm. Pack, Packers two. Okay, Rams, Bucks, Bengals, Chiefs. So three and three, three AFC, three NFC. Yes. Yeah, but that's where it should change and get more top-heavy for the AFC because they're, they're deeper. The AFC is just deeper. Well, it's funny because the next three teams on the list are all NFC teams. They've got Philadelphia 7. They've got San Francisco 8. They've got Dallas 9. And again, this is in order of most to least likely to get back in. Philly 7, San Francisco 8. Dallas 9. And part of that could be, right? It's not who's the best team. It's most likely to get back in. And part of that could be, or a lot of it could be, because the NFC is no good. Of course. Right? The NFC is no good. The NFC East is no good, right? It's easy to predict the Eagles and the Cowboys are going to go back in because their division stinks, right? And again, so when you say Cowboys, Eagles, and then who is that third team? The 49ers at 8, yeah. It's not because those teams are better than these next teams coming up for the AFC. It's just because the path is easier. Yeah. I get that the Niners have gobs and gobs of talent around the quarterback. Man, I have such a question about the quarterback. I just, I am not comfortable at all having them this high on a list. Number 10 is the Patriots. Number 11 is the Titans. 
Number 12 is the Raiders, then the Steelers, and then the Arizona Cardinals. That's the that's the order. The Cardinals are the last team, last as okay. in the least likely team to repeat. In their opinion, the least likely team to repeat. I certainly would have the Cardinals ahead of the Steelers. Um, the Raiders, I'm not sure what to make of them because that division is just going to be death. I, I don't know who's coming out but of they're that. They're going to beat the hell out of each other. You would think, right? The, the Titans now, Titans are interesting because it does feel like they might have run their course a little bit, that Ryan Tannehill might have run his course a little bit. And and the Patriots, I, the, the team to watch out for in that division, if not the Bills, is the Miami Dolphins. Man, they have loaded up for this year. They did. They spent a fortune. Yep, and they might be coming along to take what the Patriots have as the second best team in that division. Yeah. So that that's the team to watch out for in the AFC. But I agree with you. The NFC, I don't like the Cardinals defense. I don't like the Cardinals schedule. But I think from a repeatable you know, standpoint, I think the Cardinals are in a great position because they play in the NFC. Yeah. And that's and that's and now if they were playing say the AFC South, I think it'd be a no brainer that they would get in. If they were playing the AFC South, but they're not. But if they, the East is tough because you just mentioned it: Buffalo, Miami, New England, all good. The AFC North, man, is Bengals, the Ravens, the Browns, all pretty good. The, the West is all four of the teams that the Cardinals are playing. All four of those, they're all good. Yeah, like they're all good teams. So that's where I think, like, if you try to find a reason to say that the Cardinals are going to be one of those teams that are going to go from making the playoffs to not making it, it's based on the schedule they're playing, not on the NFC. And the argument that the Cardinals will make it is based on the, there's not a lot of good teams in the NFC. They just got to like take care of business, win nine games, and they should get in. Text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line It's open for you right now at 620-620. Now, when we come back, a massive media deal was made official today. And it's got us thinking just how much ASU missed the boat on this. And we'll tell you how next on the Burns and Gambo Show. <laughs> 7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. Well, we knew it was coming, and today it happened. The, An error uh, by Alec Thomas. I know, right? He dropped, well, uh, that's, dropped the ball. Yeah, that's not what <laughs> he I was, dropped the ball. That's not what I was referring to, but yes, he dropped oh. the ball, and so I, Torrey went and got Zach Gallon out of the game. Seven and a third, that's a career high for him. Twelve strikeouts, that's a career high for him. But how does Alec Thomas drop a ball? He just dropped the ball. It's Alec Thomas. At first, I thought maybe the Sun, and I'm watching a replay here, and it's just like he just dropped it. Yeah. Like he just dropped the baseball. All right, never mind. He's not the best defensive center fielder. Oh, come on. Never come mind. On. Forget we said anything. Um, it's still 5 nothing, but the Diamondbacks are now working to get out of the eighth inning. Uh, what I was going to say was the um, we knew the Big Ten announcement was coming, and today it, it happened. The Big Ten made it official. They announced their new media deal. And now this mega conference has an NFL style TV deal, nearly a billion more than a billion dollars per year that they're getting from just about every TV network you can imagine. Fox is in on it. CBS, everybody but ESPN and ABC. Everybody but ESPN. Yeah, Fox is in on it. FS1, CBS, NBC, the Big Ten Network, the Peacock streaming service, the Paramount Plus streaming service. They're all in right. some form or fashion going to be broadcasting Big Ten games. So it's worth more than a billion dollars per year. Go ahead. What were we going to say now? Yeah, so, so and this is like, okay, why did UCLA and USC leave more money, right? Everybody knows that. They left because they're going to make more money. Okay, the league, the Big Ten distributed $54.3 million during the 1920. 
Um, that was the last year not impacted by the coronavirus. That's what they paid out, $54.3 million. Now the Big Ten is projected to distribute Get this. Between 80 and 100 million dollars to each member. Yeah. Between 80 and 100 million. You're talking about maybe close to double the amount of money. So if you're USC, if you're USC and UCLA, you would get, what would they get from the Pac-12? Like 35 million? Something like that, yeah. You're going to go from 35 million to 80 or 100? Yeah, of course you got to leave. Like you have to leave. Yeah, you can stick, you stay in the Pac-12 and maybe you'll make 50 in the Pac-12. Right, because you're not going to continue to make 35. The rights deal is up. They'll make more money, or you go to the Big Ten and you make between 80 and 100 million. I mean, like this is why. I mean, this is why USC and UCLA are leaving. Although it does look like Cal and the Border Regions is trying to put Ooh. up a fight in uh, with the, with UCLA. Big time. Uh, uh, yeah, there's. Uh, I was reading a story today in the LA Times. Uh, one of the regions, Sean Perez, told the LA Times that the regents retain the power to block UCLA's move. Quote, all options are on the table, he said. Does that mean options could be pursued that would prevent UCLA from leaving? Perez repeated, quote, all options are on the table, up to and including that. We're going to look at what all the different options look like, and then the board will assert itself in terms of what its desired outcome is. Now, in moments like this, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And I turn to John Wilner. He knows 10 times more about this than I do, and he says I, that... I would say more like a hundred times more than you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. You. you know what? I'm glad I keep you around to keep me humble. I don't know what I would do without you. <laughs> He's the Pac-12 insider. I know he is. Oh, I, burns. I, I thought ten times was pretty generous, but if you want to say a hundred times, fine, there's a hundred times more than I do. <laughs> if it's a hundred times more than me, it's infinity times more than you, so at least I have that over you. Um, he believes the likelihood of, of a reversal is low. Probably ten percent. Maybe fifteen percent. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're fighting it a little bit makes it happen. Now, ASU, clearly, they're on the outside looking in of all of this. USC is gone. UCLA is probably gone. Oregon and Washington, they might not be gone now. Eventually, they might be gone at some point. Stanford could be gone in all of this. It's too bad because, as we were talking about before the show, had ASU just been a little bit better at football the last 10 years, they might have been invited to this party when it was all said no, they're and done. Not, they're, they're not attractive because they're not good. But it's a great market. Like the Phoenix TV market, it's a good market, right? So, like, I mean, this is, to me, I blame this on Michael Crow. Like, if you gave a damn about football and the program was relevant, like they were a team that can, you know, compete for playoff spots and compete for Pac-12 championships and, you know, a, 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 you know, a top three team, top four team every single year, you might be attractive to somebody like the Big Ten. The problem now is you're not attractive. You're not attractive because you're, you're your program's no good. The program's not attractive. It's not the market. The market's a good market. It's not the L.A. market. I'm not trying to compare it to that. But, man, if ASU had a good football program, like a solid program that won on a consistent basis, this would be an attractive market to somebody like the Big Ten to go get. The problem is that they're just it's not a program that is committed to winning from Michael Crow. I mean, we average, you know, you, you shoot for a bowl game. You're like you shoot, can you win eight games and go to a bowl game? Now, I thought that they had 
it kind of going with Todd Graham. Remember those two 10-win seasons yeah. with Todd Graham? Yeah. I thought they kind of had it going in the right direction there, but it's never sustainable at ASU. That's the problem. Every once in a while, you get these, you know, I don't want to call them fluke seasons, but you get these magical seasons where they win 10 games and they're relevant, but it's not sustainable. They go right back to being what they've always been, which is mediocre to bad. Yeah, it's too bad because a, a move like this, and it, I mean, you think of it like a club. You think of it like a very exclusive club or, or a, a bar or a restaurant. Everyone's trying to get into it. You know, and ASU, like a lot of teams, they're going to be standing in line on the wrong side of the velvet ropes trying to get into a club that they're not going to get invited to. I mean, heck, Oregon and Washington, eventually they might get invited, but it doesn't look like in this round of conversations that even they are going to get this invite. And you can see why you'd want to get in. It's crazy money. And not only is it crazy money, it's crazy exposure. Have you seen the plan for the Big Ten and how they're going to televise oh. games. They're- I was fascinated, but this was such all, like you mentioned, all three networks are going to carry the games, right? All three are going to are going to carry them. Um, but the, but Fox is going to be still primary, right? They're going to carry yes. the championship games in 22, 23, 25, 27, 29. CBS will carry the championship game 24, 28. NBC's got a little piece of the pie there. They're going to get it in 26. But it says the Big Ten designed the agreement to pair major, major networks with specific windows yes. on college football Saturdays. So Fox will air games beginning at noon Eastern. CBS, which once their deal with the SEC expires, They'll be airing the Big Ten games in the same mid-afternoon window. And then the NBC will carry the Big Ten games in prime time, which will be Big Ten Saturday night. They've got a monopoly on every every time slot. Absolutely. And it's just it, it, an NFL-style sort of, you know, where, where anybody who's an NFL fan knows that you watch one game on one network in the morning, and then you probably watch another game on another network in the afternoon. Then you watch Sunday Night Football on NBC at night. It's exactly what the Big Ten is created with a morning in Arizona what'll be a morning game on Fox a midday game on CBS and a late afternoon early evening game on NBC Big Ten right. Big Ten now ESPN's going to counter with SEC and SEC and the Pac-12 is hoping they can be relevant because they'll have that kind of nighttime late nighttime all to themselves on the East Coast and certainly on the West Coast like at 7.30 but man it's just a whopper of a deal and it changes everything about college College football just does. When we come yeah. back, oh, go ahead, real quick. No, it, 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 it does. I mean, it's just, it's going to be Big Ten all the time on Saturday. Yeah. The great people at Phoenix Children's Hospital, they need our help. And it's people like you who help Jason. Who is Jason? You'll hear next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Giveathon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Auction Indian community. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Giveathon on the Burns and Gambo Show. Yeah, welcome back to the Burns and Gambo Show. John Gambadoro, Dave Burns, hanging out with you here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Doing the thing that we do this time every year in August, fundraising for Phoenix Children's Hospital, because Phoenix Children's Hospital is amazing. It's one of the very best in the country. It's one of the very best in the world at what they do. They've brought in patients from every single state in the union. They've brought in patients from eight different countries around the world. They're simply 
probably one of the best. And when you have anything in your backyard that's one of the best at anything, you have to work very hard to protect that and maintain that. Uh, and that's what Phoenix Children's Hospital does. And that's why we do this every single year. Now, Gambo, I'll be honest with everybody out there listening right now. We did have some phone issues earlier today, and it derailed things a little bit in the sense of kind of the momentum that we were building. So I just I just got off, got word from from kind of the, the bosses and, and the, the organizers, and we understand that if there was some frustration earlier in the day about your inability to get through on the lines, we appreciate that you tried. We would encourage you to try again because we really were on our way to something big, and if, if you got frustrated a couple of hours ago because we were having some phone issues, please give it a try again and don't turn away from Phoenix Children's because we were having some technical issues a couple of hours ago. Yeah, absolutely. The, the need is great for these children. We appreciate you. If you if you did try to dial in and weren't able to get in, there's still time. And you, you could you know call back now. Listen, our, our population's growing. Uh, there's a great need for pediatric health care services, and that's why we do this Giveathon for PCH. It is the largest in the country, and uh, we, we hope that the phone problem does not derail some people from uh, from calling back. And from what we understand, the phone problem is fine now. There are certainly other ways to donate. You can go to uh, givethonforpch.org, or you can just, the simplest way probably is to just pull out your mobile phone, text the word GIVE to 620-620, and we'll send you a link to donate that way. But the phone lines are functional and up and good and good now. The Desert Financial Phone Bank is open at 602-933-4567. 602-933-4567. And honestly, the best thing that you can tell that person who answers that phone is that you want to be a champion of hope. $20 a month. And I know for some people, that's going to be tough with what's going on with the economy. But if you can swing it, $20 a month and a teddy bear is going to be delivered to a patient in your name today. You will bring joy to a child today that's at that hospital right now if you call and become a champion of hope for just $20 a month, Gambo. And anyone who becomes a champion of hope is eligible to receive their choice of one of the following incentives. You get a free kids pass to the Wildlife World Zoo or a free polish and shine car wash at Cabo Stone Auto Spa. So just a little incentive to have you call and become a champion of hope. All right, we've got another check presentation from another great business here in our community. This one is coming to us from Swire Coca-Cola. Hello, my name is Lindsay Kuhn, and I'm representing Swire Coca-Cola USA. We are very honored to be a part of this year's Giveathon. Swire Coca-Cola has been a proud partner of Phoenix Children since 2016, with a lifetime giving of over $200,000. We are very excited and humbled to present this check in the amount of $10,000 to Phoenix Children's Hospital. On behalf of Swire Coca-Cola, thank you, Phoenix Children, for being there for our community, providing world-class care, because when it comes to the future of our children, moments count. $10,000 from Swire Coca-Cola, $200,000 over the course of their relationship with Phoenix Children's. That's great. We thank you, Lindsay, and we thank Swire Coca-Cola for what they've done, Gambo. How about that? Yeah, just looking at that. Revenues um, distributes Coca-Cola and other beverages in 13 straight states across the American West. Fantastic. Right here in Arizona. Fantastic. We appreciate it very, very much. Thank you to Swire Coca-Cola. And the reason why we do it, the reason why Phoenix Children's has such a special place 
It's the stories that we hear, and it's the stories that we like to tell. And we want to tell you the story about Jason. It's time for another story of hope, and it's brought to you by Madame Holmes. In September 2019, Jason, a student at Brophy College Prep, he collapsed during basketball practice. You can only imagine how scared the parents were. He was unresponsive. His mom, his dad, and Jason talk about that fateful day. Talk about what was to come in his Phoenix children's journey. This is Jason's story. Getting a call from the school when you see that pop up on your phone, uh, middle of the day or the afternoon, it always takes a pause. So my husband, he simultaneously was getting a phone call from the police officer that had hopped in the ambulance with Jason. But as we started driving down and discussing what was going on, we started to, I think, get a little bit more panicked. My husband went to park the car and I, I ran in. At that point, that instinct kicked in that something wasn't right. And that's when we found Jason, you know, getting treatment by multiple people. There were first responders standing over him, the emergency room staff. Due to the amount of people in the room, it was it instantly caught you as, wow, this is this is serious. It, it, it was it was frightening. But Chris and I knew to stay calm because we knew that he was in the right place and the experts were taking care of him. Jason had collapsed at practice, that they had gotten to the scene, that an AED had been administered. For that to be administered, we now know the heart must be stopped. Uh, I do remember just waking up in the hospital bed and I was confused. Uh, my mom mentioned to me that I actually thought I was in the hospital because of COVID. I didn't know what had happened to me. It's like my brain just completely forgot about everything that day. But the overall experience from the emergency room to the ICU, it, it, it was absolutely incredible and exactly what you would want. And when we did get introduced to the Dr. Franklin, Dr. Velez duo, um, the A-team, we had no idea, again, being in it, that we had, you know, the MVPs of, of you know, the surgical and um, clinical team. You know, everything from them drawing us pictures, you know, asking, answering our questions as things were unfolding. They were so patient. Um, but that's the type of doctors and surgeons that we dealt with who, no matter how long their day was, was making sure we as patients were seen and heard. Um, and that was important. You know, we were scared. Once we started to get more information um, because of the unknowns of Jason's recovery. As the days turn into multiple days and move on, you know, Jason went in and he had a surgery approximately a week, a week later. So spending time at BCH around the clock and, and, and they do a really good job. They become your family because you, you don't leave and you're there nonstop. I can't be, have enough gratitude and be thankful enough to the folks that gave us care. The ICU director stayed. I checked in with her at night, you know, just walking to get a cup of coffee and said hello to her and said thank you for a stat. She knew that Jason was did well and he was checking out of the ICU after his open heart surgery. She smiled. She said, I'm so happy for you because not everyone gets these outcomes. Because we are, we're very fortunate. Jason has a very, very great, and we were very fortunate for his outcome. And, and and she was another person that just it was so grateful for the staff and the standards that they maintained for themselves in that hospital. It, it was remarkable. Wow, what an incredible institution you'll find yourself in when you, if, if you receive care or ever need to attend PCH for any reason.
And that was Jason's story. The A-team. The MVPs. Everybody yeah, over at Phoenix great. Children's is the A-team, right? That's what they do at Phoenix Children's Gambo. Yeah, so the MVPs, the surgery teams. And I, it's, it's, it's great to hear because, you know, that's what you want. You know, not uh, most people listening, you know, even if you've never had one of your children have to go to PCH, it's very likely that your circle of friends and people you know, you've had somebody whose family had to go to PCH. And, and look, ho- hopefully you never have to. But you hear these stories, you hear about the level of care and how much PCH means to these families. Having this in your backyard instead of having to go to another state. Yeah. You know, this is incredible that we have this in our backyard. It's incredible that if something does happen to your child, you've got this right here and you're going to get like, you know, you're going to get the best care. Like there's nowhere else that you could go in the country where you're going to get better care. Exactly. And this is right here in your own backyard. And when you have something like that in your backyard, you've got to you've got to work to protect it. Gotta you've take got, care of it. You've got to work to take care of it. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's this it's this jewel that we've got here and you've got to work hard to protect it so let's match this right now spinato's pizzeria spinato's pizzeria right now is sponsoring our dollar for dollar match you hear the music that means we are in a match you call the desert financial phone bank right now 602-933-4567 and again with apologies to anybody who might have tried earlier in the day our technical problems have been solved 602-933-4567. We hope you weren't put off by it. We hope you're still willing to give. You hear the music. Spinato's Pizzeria right now is matching every single donation that comes in. So now is a great time, Gambo, to call 602-933-4567. Yeah, the need is great. It's, uh, you know, 51% of patient families have little or no private medical insurance. So they very much rely on the generous donors like yourselves to ensure that every child has access to the best care, no matter what that family's financial situation is. There's kids in there right now dealing with cancer, dealing with heart defects, dealing with brain injuries, and you have the, you know, they can't wait for the help. So you have the ability to help these families right now, immediately help these families, and you can make a difference. Don't believe that you can't, because $20 goes a long way. Trust me, and what a lot of people donating 20 bucks, it makes a huge difference. All right, you donate $20 a month, you'll become a champion of hope, and we're going to deliver a teddy bear in your name to a patient in the hospital right now. There are about 350 kids in the hospital right now. We want to make sure every single one of them gets a bear. So please become a champion of hope, donate $20 per month, and call us at 602-933-4567 and take advantage of this match from Spinato's Pizzeria that's going on right now. The calls have come in. The train Teddy Bear Express is going upstairs right now. We've got some teddy bears on there. We want to put some more on there, so don't stop calling. If you haven't donated yet, please do. 602-933-4567. That's the Desert Financial Phone Bank number. When we come back here on Burns and Gambo, back to sports and back to the Arizona Cardinals. Josh Jones struggled early in his career. Was he in the wrong position, and is he a part of the Cardinals' future? We'll talk about that coming up. Burns and Gambo. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Sold and Kona Brewing. Burns and Gambo on 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. 
Real quick, update on the Diamondbacks. Game is over. They get the splits of the four-game series against San Francisco. They win today 5-0. Zach Gallen was the story. A career high in innings pitch, 7-3. and a, third, a career high in strikeouts with 12. Gave up only four hits. Obviously, he gave up no runs. And for the Diamondbacks, Gambo, you've talked about in the past their lack of success in that building against that team. Yeah. The Diamondbacks got their first shutout win in that ballpark since 2017 when they won 2 nothing. So it's been yeah. five years since they got a shutout there. 12 strikeouts, no walks. Just think about that. 12 strikeouts, no walks. And they're paying them $47,800 this year. <laughs> I mean, Zach Allen's making so less than 50 grand. under-exaggeration there. Right, it yes. seems like it. I mean, yes. but he's not even making a million dollars. Paying a minimum making, wage to go out there and throw yeah. the way he's throwing right now. Yeah, yes. he's making $20 an hour. The guy at in and out Allen. is making more money than Zach Allen is right now. Yeah, I, I think Mitch makes more money than Zach Allen. <laughs> wow, poor, poor Mitch. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, get, I get this is crazy. I mean the value, <laughs> you, the value on. I mean Zach Allen's nine and two with an ERA under three, two point seven eight. He's had twelve strikeouts today. No walks, making like seven hundred grand. Yeah, yeah that's. Like hey, any, I've I mean, got a zero ERA. Yeah. I'm just putting it out there. That's true. You do. Your ERA is better than Zach Allen's. There's no doubt about that. Um, Zach and Gallen, he's under control for three more for years. three more years and then three it, more years under control. Yeah, it's it's. It, do the, you buy out the arbitration years and just do a long term deal with them? Abs- absolutely, I propose it. I mean, it's yeah. three years of control. He can't go anywhere for three more years he's 27 do you do you give him a five-year deal whether he takes it i don't know but i offer it you better believe i offer it absolutely yeah you buy out the three arbitration years and you get a deal done and you may be able on you know from the diamondbacks perspective maybe you can benefit on year four and five but you're going to pay him you know i mean you want to reward your players too i mean sure well you you don't want to just you don't want to just yeah it's a great deal and you want to take advantage of it without taking advantage of it you know you you want to reward him for a job well done. I absolutely offer him a contract that would buy out those arbitration years so I have financial certainty for him. I would absolutely do it. We'll see if they do do it. One other stat, and it came from our 0.00 ERA producer, uh, Mitch, who points out Zach Gallen becomes the first pitcher since Michael Fulmer in 2017 to throw 21 straight first pitch strikes. So part of the brilliance of Gallen today was getting ahead of everybody. Just about everybody he faced. 21. Fulmer? Tigers. Yeah, yeah, the Tigers Tigers back in April of 17. 21 straight first pitch strikes he threw today. So He's he's unbelievable. He's so good. You've got, I mean, he's he's great. Yeah. All right, back to the Arizona Cardinals as camp is going to wind down this week. Preseason game number two coming up on Sunday against the Ravens. Then they go to Nashville for some joint practices against the Titans. Josh Jones, we talked about a lot about him last week going into preseason game number one. Cardinals draft pick, so far his career hasn't amounted to a ton with the cards yet. Still kind of waiting on him. But he believes this camp has been better for him because he's playing the position that he thinks he's supposed to be playing. Playing a lot more tackle now. Uh, so it's been a lot better. I'm more comfortable up, like at tackle. So it's been... Um kind of get back into my groove out there, so it's been going good. Sean Kugler, his offensive line coach. And I appreciate that from Coach. All the coaches seeing that in me, um, but I know that's what I am here. Um, I know I'm an NFL starter. I just got to get there, and that's, it takes a lot of work, a lot more work I need to do. Um, but I appreciate it from the coaches, and I'm just keep working, keep working until they feel comfortable, and I feel comfortable out there to become the NFL starter. That lousy job setting that up. He was, he was commenting on Sean Kugler, who about a week ago had said that Josh Jones is a 
future starting tackle in this league. And that was Josh Jones saying, I appreciate him saying that about me. I feel the same way. I just, I got to get there. Obviously, him getting there is of significance, huge significance to the Cardinals if he can. He is the main backup tackle. He will be the main guy as the backup tackle. But he's had his ups and downs even this year. You know, even this year through camp and stuff, he's had ups and downs. So he's not a finished product. He's not consistent, but he's the best they have to be that swing tackle. And it does benefit him that, you know, that he's going to play tackle and not guard, right? They tried it. A lot of times that's what happens. You remember, you, you, you get a guy and he's a, he's a good tackle and, uh, but he, but you've got guys that are better than him. So you move him inside to guard. Who was the, who was the guy from the Cardinals that went from the Cardinals to the, was it Leonard Davis? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And then they move him to guard. And he was great. And, right. So sometimes it really works for guys, and sometimes it doesn't. I think what the Cardinals are saying is this: Josh Jones is not a guy that has benefited from going to the guard spot. He's just better suited to be a tackle, and I continue to work with him on that. Yeah, I, I was looking it up because he um, he just hasn't played a lot at tackle so far in his career. I think it's only like 200 snaps, give or take, that he's played there. So if that's, if that's what he's going to be, if that's who he's going to be, it would obviously benefit the Cardinals to know that they've got some stability moving forward because right now the offensive line, you know, DJ Humphreys is locked up, but Pew, this could be his last year. Rodney Hudson, yeah. this could be his last year. Beecham, this could be old. his last year, right? He's getting older. Will Hernandez, he's on a one-year deal. We'll see how that turns out. To know that you've got a future tackle, it would be nice. Now, hopefully he gets enough opportunities this year to show he belongs there. Otherwise, you're kind of going into next year blind with him, not knowing exactly. Exactly what he can do. Listen, in in a way, you know, we keep saying this. You got to you got to draft tackle. You got to draft offensive line. You got and I like I believe that. Like I do, but like they got Justin Pugh wasn't drafted by them. That was a good signing. You know, Kelvin Beecham was a good signing. Um, Will Hernandez might end up being a good signing. Like. You know, you start to look around and like the Cardinals have done a pretty good job of piecing together an offensive line without having a lot of talent that they drafted on it. Yeah, yeah, I I, I would agree they do. You still need to draft that position because there's just so much cost control you can get with that offensive line when you draft it as opposed to constantly having to go out and spend your free agent dollars on it. When we come back on the Burns and Gamble Show, Diamondbacks, another good win today. The split in San Francisco, the future continues to look bright. The question Will that future have Troy Lovello as part of it? We'll talk about it next. Burns and Gambo.